Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. Welcome to my Two Cents Podcast, episode 8, which is entitled... That I was the greatest of all time. I'm going to be talking to you today about black athletes. And by the way, that soundbite was from Muhammad Ali after he beat Sonny Linkston. And let me get into this. I have talked to a person I deeply care for, and they told me that my last episode kind of got a little bit too much with the foul language. So in this episode, I will try to refrain myself from it. I'll try to go back to being politically correct as I was my past couple episodes. But yet again, I will try to refrain from that type of language moving forward. But I believe the last episode needed that language because that was a meaningful statement that I was making. It was meaningful. It was needed. It needed to get the point across because if you talk to me in real life, you know that I'm not a cursor like that i'm not a person that um uses that type of language like that but when i do use it you know i'm serious about a statement you know that whatever i'm talking about is serious it's not to be joked around with and last episode wasn't meant to be a joking one it was meant to be for somebody and for people that for people to listen it was meant for people to understand what has happened to the black race but yet again I will try to refrain from that moving forward, but the last episode was needed. And before I get into my topics of black athletes, let me list off the uh, nationality, the national food days for the week coming. Today, it is Fettuccine Alfredo Day. Tomorrow is Molasses Bar Day, Potatoes Lovers Day, Cream Cheese Brownie Day. That'll be February the 8th. February the 9th is Bagels and Lox Day and Pizza Day. February 10th would be Have a Brownie Day. February 11th is Peppermint Patty Day. February 12th is PB&J Day and Biscotti Day. And February 13th is Tortellini Day and Italian Food Day. Let me just make this perfectly clear. I like... uh, fettuccine alfredo i make that for my family whenever they ask for it and whenever i personally want it i just make it but i do love fettuccine alfredo now let me start with this with black athletes matter of fact before i get into black athletes let me break down a little bit of my week i haven't paid attention (laughs) a lot to the news this week so there will be no news breakage or anything of that nature on here. And if anybody did pass, I'm sorry for not paying attention to who did pass. And rest in peace to anybody that did pass. But my week has been full with school assignments from CCU. Uh, and I'm doing well so far. We're, we haven't even hit the middle of the semester yet. And I'm, not, I'm not struggling. But the workload is kind of up there. I did, got, I did warn you guys that... um. If I didn't slack up on uh, podcast knowledge, it's because of schoolwork. So I did give you guys that forewarning forewarning and disclaimer early on, like a couple episodes ago. But again, 
I am working out my schoolwork, and I promise you, the next couple of episodes are going to get better. And plus, this episode, it was kind of hard for me because I was kind of blockage. I had a blockage in my head. I just couldn't figure out what to really focus on, what type of sport to focus, what type of just... It was just a blockage because black people, we have done a lot for the sports world. We have. We have made it a thing that if whenever you are in school and you're black, you automatically are either on the football or basketball team. Or at least you try out for it because, shoot, you see it whenever you turn on television. Black people all have been bas- basketball football and that's about it so in every school across america you'll see basketball and football and you will try to try out for it and see if you're good at it or not and if you're good you make your life your mission to try to make it to the major leagues of anything that you any sport that you uh, get yourself acclimated to and in the big towns as in New York, California, even in Miami, if you don't have a football or basketball team that you join, there's other extracurricular activities. You can try baseball out. You can try soccer out. Shoot, you can even get in on the boxing, which I personally can't do because I have head uh, problems. I get headaches too much. That's what kind of stopped me in my football aspirations and my whole one and to be in football or even professional wrestling. I have head problems. I can't do these sporty things that require physical contact on contact. If I didn't have brain problems, if I didn't have headaches, as a matter of fact, there used to be a time that I used to get headaches almost every single day. I would get home, get an ibuprofen, take it, and just go about my merry day. As a matter of fact, some days I would just get up, pop an ibuprofen, and just go about my day because I knew somewhere down the line I would get a headache. And to prevent that, I would pop an ibuprofen. Kids, do not do that. Go get yourself checked out. I was just, that was just me. Everybody's different. I'm just telling you what I went through as growing up, but... If you don't have no head problems, I would suggest try out for any type of sports if you are, if you're wanting to, if you want to do that, just try it out. Just try any sports out. But with COVID going on, I'm, I don't know how you would. My time was different. I'm saying that as like, I'm like, I'm really old, but I'm not, I'm only 24 going on 25. Like. COVID didn't just happen like a year ago. But anyway, I'm getting back to my main point here. This one was hard for me to try. This one, this topic was hard for me. I was trying to get information as quick as I can because I just had a big old brain fart for this episode. But I was able to get what I needed to get so I can go on my diatribe as I do. (laughs) And let me just say this right now. Black sports players have it harder than any other ethnicity, in my opinion, and I say that through black eyelids. 
through a black uh, lens. I say that through a black perspective because in America, and I'm only saying that as a black man in America and all I see throughout my time, whenever you're a black athlete, you are expected to go all out. There is no in-between. Either you are good, and that mean as in you are, oh my God, look at him, he needs to be in the league, or eh, he's okay. Like, eh, okay, but like, he can he can do something else. I mean, he's not the star, but we can find some use from somewhere else. But that's just a dime and dime, not a dime a dozen. That's like a dime, it's like here and there. You will feel pressure to try out for certain teams if you're just a just a black person in a all predominantly white school you'll feel pressure of that you will be looked upon to try it out you will be looked upon to hey why don't you try this uh sport out thank god it never happened for me because even in my predominantly white high school we had black uh players that were able to do the team and make a majority of the team and fill out those spots so I, they never ever looked at me to say hey try out sports I mean, God willing, not God willing, but God saved me from that because I, I probably would have succumbed to peer pressure and probably got myself hurt out there, like worser than just some head problems. I mean, like broken a bone and thank God, by the way, I never broke a bone either. So I can put that on my, uh, uh, resume of never broken anything, never had any type of drive like a driving ticket speeding ticket and some other things but like i said oh yeah never been arrested so yeah i could put that on my uh achievements as being a black man in america (laughs) but i swear i'm i keep on jumping all over the place getting back to the point black being a black sports star you take up a whole lot of responsibility And I love the quote that Charles Barkley has made famous. I'm not, I'm not your kid's role model. Matter of fact, I'm not a role model. What he's basically stating is that, yes, I am in this big, high, pristine slot. I have been gifted this spotlight by God in my talents. But don't put me up on... A high pedestal. I'm still human. I'm not the person you should look up to. I'm not a person that you should aspire to be in a way. Because I'm still human at the end of the day. Don't put me on a high pedestal that whenever anything happens, as in you hear some type of news about me breaking, you guys can easily just jack me off that pedestal and say look at him he was so high and mighty but look at him now he did this or he did that athletes are not meant to be your idols athletes that are in these high spotlighted moments are meant to be just that people that are in hot high spotlighted moments that are meant to do their job that they get paid for 
And that's about it. Anything they do on their in their private life is meant for their private life. But once it breaks out to the public, that's whenever it becomes that's whenever it gets tricky because we have put so much stock into a certain player or a certain team, if you will, that whenever something bad happens, we start immediately shifting negativity onto a player or a team. That's something that needs to quit. And I see that a lot with a whole lot of black athletes. Black athletes get spotlighted so much more than white athletes. The only time white athletes get spotlighted is whenever either A, they get traded to a different team, they are the hot young start out of college that are going to join a team on draft day, uh, whenever a athlete retires. That's about it. Or, I forgot, because I don't want to make this sound like this only happens to black. Whenever something like big and salacious happens, like the Brett Favre incident. No, not Brett Favre. Was it Brett Favre? Or was it? I think it was Ben Roethlisberger whenever he had like the masseuse incident like in 09, early 10s, to the 10 area. Anyway, there were just scandals, but those are the only time you hear about white athletic players. But the rest of the time is always shine down on black athletes. If you think I'm lying, go to ESPN and on whenever they have their NBA jump or the jump in the morning or uh, first take with Stephen A. Smith and Max Kettleman. Or you can look at Fox, uh, Fox Sports with Skip Bayless and Shannon Sharp, Undisputed. Majority of the time, they talk about black athletes. Black athletes will always have a spotlight on them because that is the only way for black individuals to make a living that is comfortable for people. That's comfortable for them. That has been, shall I say, normalized. Like, you need to be an athlete so you can do this, so you can move out of the hood, so you can make more money, so you can have a good, great life. That's not always the case. But it's normalized so much that kids and people in college or people in schools see these athletes and see these millions of dollars that they make and they just focus in on the positives of money. But they never ever see the negative that is having all this camera light, all this unnecessary spotlight on them that social media has given people now. I mean, sure, you had back in the 70s and 80s your paparazzis that would like come at you ass after you come out of like an airport or even a hotel or even might take a snapshot at you at the club. But you would never see that many snapshots of them coming out of like stores, going into their cars or going into food uh, 
chains and getting food like the way you see photos now of celebrities they didn't have instagram twitter facebook they didn't they didn't have all that so what i'm saying is back in the 1780s it was hard but not as hard as it is now for all these celebrity not celebrity but the all these athletes if you're an athlete in america and you're black my tip to you is Try to stay low. Stay low as much as you can. That's hard when you are one of the greatest on your team or you're just simply one of the greatest at your position or you're one of the greatest that ever played a certain sport. It's hard. It's hard for you to lay low because now you have people taking photos of you just walking into a hotel, people taking photos of you whenever you walk into a grocery store, people taking photos or video of you going to a hotel or going into a grocery store or going inside a club or inside the club or talking to somebody that you might like or even at your wedding that you didn't even invite people. Well, the paparazzi, you invited your close people, but not people outside your bubble. All these black athletes have dealt with that in white athletes as well, and just athletes in general, but majority of the time is black athletes. Black athletes get so much spotlight on them that it's unfair to them because they never get to live a normal life. And you know what? People might people are going to say, you know what? This is what they signed up for. I don't think that's true. And I don't think that's fair to them. They happen to like what they're doing. They happen to like the sport. They happen to like just their job and period of what they're doing. Or they might just like the money so they continue to, to do the job. And I don't think in that job it said... In the contract, you're going to be followed by paparazzi 24-7. You're not going to have a social life. But in the fair exchange, here's these millions of dollars that we give to you. If you were to tell that to any athlete, they would tell you, that's insane. That sounds insane. Yeah, sure, they might enjoy it at the beginning, but they not thinking of that clause of 24-7. Because 24-7 means all day, every day. And that's what happens. Black athletes get in trouble far more quicker than any other skin color athlete in America that I've seen. You got the OJ scandal. Well, the OJ trial. You had the Ray Rice. You had the Ray Lewis whole murder thing. You had Michael Vick with his dog fighting. You had... Charles Barkley just throwing somebody out of a 
um, out of a business through, I don't know if it was a business or somewhere, you just threw him out of a glass window. You had the whole Floyd Mayweather instance with his hands and him going to jail for that. You had the whole Mike Tyson deal. You had Muhammad Ali saying that he wasn't going to fight in the war. You have Lawrence Taylor incidents. I mean, I'm you can list so much and so much. You had the whole Chad Ochocinco deal. There's so many black athletes that have gotten in trouble quickly than you have seen a white athletes. And it's true. If you do the math on it, it's true. As a matter of fact, I'm about to hit you with some math right now of what I'm talking about. 70% of players in the NFL are black. 74% of players in NBA are black. 127 of the 144 players in the WNBA are black or people of color. I don't know how many boxers there are black, but high, like high celebrity status, black boxers, or Floyd Mayweather that's living, Mike Tyson. Those are like the, our two high up that are male. And we have our Layla Ali, who is retired. And we have another black female uh, boxer right now who I don't have the name, but hold on one minute. And right now, as I just found her name out, her name is Clarissa um, Shields. Those are our two black female athletes. And in tennis, we have Serena Williams, Venus Williams, and the new upstart, Naomi Osaka, who she's black. But those are like our three top black athletes in tennis. And in tennis, we had Simone, Simone Bile, and I'm not sure of any other like gymnastics of that, but out of all those names that I just listed right there, oh yeah, and in golf, we have Tiger Woods, who's on the downcline of retirement now. But that's about it for us in, like, those type of regions of athletics that actually, like, matter because that's what all the main focus goes to. Whenever you have a black athlete dominating in a sport, all the shine goes to them and all that uh big spotlightage goes on to them and if you think i'm kidding tom brady is getting coverage because he is playing um with a new team they're in the super bowl tonight and they're going against Patrick Mahomes. And by the way, I picked Patrick Mahomes because he's black and because I think that they can do a repeat. So I'm picking the Kansas City Chiefs, by the way, to win the Super Bowl tonight. But getting back to my point, Tom Brady's getting all this coverage because he was the last man that got picked. He became a great one. But 
throughout his career. I didn't hear much about Tom Brady like that. You hear a lot about the Terrell Owens and Donovan McNair. Donovan uh, McNair? Was it McNair? Hold on one minute. Just did a quick Google search, and it was Donovan McNair. McNabb. Sorry, not McNair. McNabb. You hear Terrell Owens, Donovan McNabb, um, Chad Ochocinco. You hear now even going into Zeke. I think a guy named Zeke on Dallas. Uh, Dak Prescott. And these are, just name those guys. Those guys are just top NFL players, but would all put them in a string of row together of spotlightage was people put them in controversy. Terrell Owens with his uh, football touchdown celebrations, people didn't like that because he was too showboaty and being too much of a showman, which personally, when you look back at it now, you see how many people do touchdown celebrations. He should be celebrated and cheered and be like, oh my God, Terrell Owens really paved the way for all these guys to do these touchdown celebrations and for it to be normalized. Think about it, seriously. How many times did you hear about Chad, not Chad, but Terrell Owens getting into trouble because of touchdown celebration for being too much of a showman? You hear that a lot, and I'm just 24. I can look back at it, and I can Google it, Terrell Owens, and you see a whole lot of scandal and a whole lot of backlash because he did touchdown celebrations, which now in NFL is normalized. I mean, yeah, sure, you'll get penalty for it, but it's normalized. It's what I've been saying so far. Black athletes have a big old spotlight on them. But, let me say this. Having that big old spotlight doesn't always have to be a bad thing. Because, with that big old spotlight, you can shut out all the negative people around the world that might say he's a fluke, or he's not that good, or whatever type of excuses they might have. Because let me just list off a couple of great players in boxing, basketball, and football. In boxing, you have Muhammad Ali, you have Floyd Mayweather, you have Mike Tyson, you have Evander Holyfield, Shane Mosley, Bernard Hopkins, Roy Jones Jr., and Sugar Ray Leonard, and a bunch more in boxing. In basketball, you have Wilt Chamberlain, Bill Russell, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Michael Jordan, Magic Johnson, Isaiah Thomas, Karl Malone, Kobe Bryant, Shaq, LeBron James, Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, James Harden. I mean, the list goes on and on for basketball. And for football, you have Walter Payton, Jerry Rice, Emmitt Smith, Jim Brown, 
Lawrence Taylor, Barry Sanders, Randy Moss, Deion Sanders, Terrell Owen, Joe Green, Ray Lewis, Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, Lamar Jackson, Cam Newton, and so much more football that I'm list I just list off all these names of men. And in these names, you could probably pick out a couple of them that you yourself have said, you know what? He probably isn't that great. He's a fluke. He he won this game or won this match off of a fluke. But then after they after you've seen their talent constantly go. You have to gain an appreciation for him. As a matter of fact, I'll give you an example for me personally. As a child, I didn't understand how big Floyd Mayweather's name was until probably about oh, WrestleMania 24 was in, 24 was in Miami. Or was it in Orlando? But anyway, it was in Florida. He was going against Big Show. And WWE decided to do a deal with Mayweather for him to come in to do this thing with Big Show at WrestleMania 24. And you would see him come out and he got booed out of the building so bad. And the storyline was supposed to be Mayweather was supposed to come in, be this good guy, yada, yada, yada. Big Show was supposed to be this guy that's hating on Floyd Mayweather. Basically, a David versus Goliath type storyline. And what usually happens in wrestling is whenever an outsider comes in, as in a basketball player, a football player, a soccer player, an actor, if you will, that decides to do a match in professional wrestling, WWE, they end up winning the match. And that's what happened. That was supposed to happen. And usually they're the good guys. All these outsiders are usually the good guys. But this one particular instance, that didn't happen. Floyd Mayweather was hated. I mean, just booed and booed. And if you got the WWE WWE Network, or you can go to YouTube, type in Floyd Mayweather versus Big Show, and you would see how much hate Floyd Mayweather got from the wrestling audience. And... He ending up he ended up switching the roles with Big Show. Big Show being the good guy, Floyd being the bad guy. And whenever he knocked out Big Show in the match and pinned him, people booed the results of it. People didn't like that Big Show lost to a guy so small and so light that Big Show should have easily taken care of that problem. But hey, that's uh, show business that's the entertainment that's the E in WWE World Wrestling Entertainment that's the E entertainment you get the drift
But let me get back to the point. After that, I started paying attention a lot on Floyd Mayweather. And I wanted to see him lose. I started to Wikipedia Floyd Mayweather, see his record, see how many times he won. He never got a loss. Never had a loss. As a matter of fact, I can tell you a specific boxing match that he had that I personally had a problem with until I started to really think about it. It was Floyd Mayweather versus Victor Ortiz. And in this, this is whenever boxing would show up on HBO. Like it would, after like a couple weeks after the pay-per-view happened, they would show that boxing match on HBO for, for anybody that had HBO at the time. Victor Ortiz, I think, accidentally like headbutted Floyd Mayweather and busted Floyd's lip. And Floyd, uh, and you can see in the video, Victor was apologizing so apprehensively to Floyd, like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry about all this and all that. And you see Floyd just like nod ahead for a minute and then just like gave Victor the straight up one, two. And this is rounds app. This is like rounds into the their boxing contest. And Floyd ends up winning. And the big controversy was how did Floyd, how was Floyd able to accept that win whenever you saw in the video Victor Ortiz like apologizing and Floyd Mayweather gave the most educated answer that you can give. He said that in boxing you always keep your hands up. And that's a lesson I believe that Victor Ortiz kept to this day. You keep your hands up. Yes, you say you're sorry, but you always keep your hands up. After that, I found a respect for Floyd Mayweather because he taught a young boxer, one, you keep your hands up during boxing at all times. And two, he was Floyd was so sleazy with it that I couldn't help but to be like, all right, you got me, all right. Because here's a little thing about me. If you're sleazy and you can get away with something, and I mean like, like you could make sense of why you did what you did because in boxing, you're supposed to keep your hands up at all times. I can put that in a box and be like, okay, I can I can see how that happened. I can see, so I can see it. And I agreed with Floyd. You know what? He should have kept his hands up, rookie. But I started to gain some understanding of Floyd. Yeah, I started to understand the pressure that he has. Because Floyd Mayweather has to show up and perform. He's a showman. He's a showman boxer. He puts on this big, grandiose uh, marketing type exhibition for his boxing match and what I'm basically trying to say is he's promoting the Christ out of his boxing match he's trash talking his opponent so many times and so much that his opponent has to know has but no other choice but to play into the mind games that Floyd is doing with you 
he's playing it up and he's making the consumer the viewing audience that's going to buy the boxing match he's making them want to see him lose he's knowing he's getting at your emotion he is making you his puppy he's making you dance he knows the right things to get you upset that you have to spend your money to see a boxing match that a lot of people usually say is boring <laughs> and Floyd knows this this is why I like him and I changed my opinion on him from me hating him as a child to me actually liking him as I'm starting to grow older in his life he's able to make you hate him and so much that you had to pay for his pay for this boxing event sit up and wait so long you have to watch this draw dull boxing exhibition and in the end the usual result is Floyd Mayweather is the winner Floyd Mayweather went undefeated throughout his whole career professional career that is what I enjoy so much about Floyd Floyd can just make you his puppet as the boxer and consumer if you're a consumer you either loathe because I'm not going to say you hate Floyd but you might loathe Floyd and want to see him get taken down and actually see the person knock him out or you might say, you know what? I find his post-match, not post-match, but pre-match all the way up to the boxing event hilarious. I might find the things that he say um, entertaining because Floyd's a showman. That's what Floyd does. Floyd Mayweather is a showman, but getting back to my point, that's the reason why I like Floyd. And getting back to the point about all these athletes that are black, Whenever you have this spotlight on you, the microphone is your greatest weapon that you can easily use at all time. You can spread an agenda so big that every media outlet has to pay attention. And I'll use this as an example right now. If LeBron James told the black community I want you guys to invest in stocks. This is how I'm making my money. Do you not know how much black people would invest in stocks? Do you not know how quickly that would happen? His microphone, his image, his ambiance is so big that black civilians would pay attention not me personally because I don't pay attention to basketball I know who LeBron James is but I know his plight I know his clout if you will I know how much his name and his value means to the black community I know how much it means to everybody in the world so with that being said if he were to just make that announcement, we all, as 
black civilians we do it we will invest in more stocks we will look into stocks we would research it some more but that doesn't happen because what because some I'm not going to say all some sports athletes that are that have that big platform that have that microphone or megaphone they could easily do that. They could easily say, I want to spread awareness for this or that. I want to spread awareness for this. I want to do this. I want to put money back in the community for this. I could do such and such and much and much. And that's what we're slowly starting to see now with the idea of using your platform for something bigger than yourself. When you go back last year, 2020, after George Floyd was killed, I believe it was the Milwaukee Bucks. They did. They decided not to play game. Play. I don't know how many games, but they decided to stop playing for a minute to protest with the people for the injustice, for the injustice, for the wrongful killing of George Floyd, and then they went around that they show like a clip of Kenny Smith who was on uh, NBA Tonight with Ernie Johnson, Charles Barkley and Shaq on TNT he walked off and he says I'm not doing this neither I'm staying with the NBA players and even now at the beginning of the season, you saw people's names that were killed unjustly by people that are not of our color on the back of uh, basketball players and football players' uh, shirts. And, and you saw some names on football players' jerseys and all these type of things, you're starting to see more, more social justice, social awareness from athletes. You're hearing about it, and you're seeing, you're hearing about it, and you're seeing it more. It's becoming a natural thing. It's not becoming something that's just a hot thing like, oh, I'm going to do this. And then once it starts dying down, okay, we're off that. No, it's starting to become like the thing. This is something that's going, that I hope would continue on and on. And it won't die down. Only time will tell for that type of progress. And to further uh, give further prove my point about uh, the athletes using their big spotlight a couple days ago and I'm clarifying this I was able to understand and get this example because I was on Twitter for this one so like I said just clarify it a couple days ago LeBron James was playing basketball and he got into it with a woman on courtside and after the game, I believe LeBron James tweeted out 
courtside Karen is great, going crazy. And everybody was able to find out who she was. People were able to flood her Twitter feed and calling her courtside Karen this, courtside Karen that. I mean, Twitter just had a complete ball with it. And that's why I love Twitter, by the way. Twitter, I'm here. <laughs> um, People were a, just having a ball with this whole thing. And it led to her making a public statement. Well, not a public statement, but just a statement saying that she was, she had some in her. She got emotionally invested, yada, yada, yada. She's sorry for what she said. LeBron James just sent out a simple tweet saying, Courtside Karen. And followers just started immediately pelting her, calling her Courtside Karen. LeBron James didn't mean for her. Me, I don't think LeBron James meant for that like as a thing to go viral. Well, let me stop that right there. Do I think he meant for it to go viral? No. Do I think that he thought that he probably could go viral? Because he's how big he probably was? Yeah. I think he just did it just to make a quick joke. And the people went nuts. And whether he meant to do it on purpose or not, that is showing you how much his stardom truly is in the public eye. LeBron James and all these other big, high-profile name athletes that these athletes that I was able to name, they have a big target on their back because under the underlining of the media is, and I'm not going to say every media outlet, but the big grand scheme of media, the underlining of it is they are waiting for you to do something wrong. That's what they're waiting for. They're waiting for you to slip up and make a drastic mistake. That's what they're waiting on. They're waiting on you to get caught out like a Kobe Bryant saying that you did something foul and messed up your marriage or people um, in the Charles Barkley type business saying you're violent or in the Ray Rice situation where he hit his wife saying that you don't belong in society like that. Or whenever Michael Vick, whenever he had the dog fighting uh, case and he went to jail for dog fighting, you're not a respectful human being. You're not a person that we respect. You're not a person that we uh, should admire. You're not that person that we did admire, that we did have that some have respect for. You're not that person that we thought you once were. That's the curse of the media. That is the curse and the underlining thing with media and black athletes. And people might say, well, Joe, that's all athletes in general. Yeah, that might. And I put little might 
if I were to write this, if I were to write this in a sentence, it would be all athletes, all black athletes in capital and put the but in small font in might be in small font and capitalize all athletes in general. And I put a period. Because you don't see that much coverage whenever a white athlete gets in so much trouble. You don't see it like that. You don't. Whenever a black athlete gets himself in trouble, oh boy, oh boy, are we animals? Are we people who don't respect marriage? Are we people who just everything under the book in the bus? I mean, we get thrown under it. And I just got done watching the Tiger Woods documentary about a week. No, no, no. This week, and I saw after he, his whole expose came out of him uh, cheating on his wife, that the Masters came out. Masters in Georgia, I believe, came out and started lambasting him. I mean, just throw my man out to the gulag saying that he was a disgrace, he didn't fit our image, how we looked up to him and how he discredited that. And I mean, just just giving him a whipping, a verbal whipping, but politically white version of the word, verbal whipping that could take away everything. And, and as a matter of fact, a whole lot of endorsements dropped Tiger Woods after the fact, and the only ones that stay with him is Nike, and thank God for that. And let me pause right here on this rhetoric. Nike, thank you for sticking with Tiger Woods. Thank you for sticking with <laughs> Colin Kaepernick, giving him the big platform that he needs. Thank you for sticking with Black athletes in general whether you do it for your bottom dollar or whether you see us as guys that you know what these are regular people too they deserve every ounce of our respect like anybody else you guys could be thinking that i'm just gonna say thank you nike for loving black athletes the way that you do Thank you for sticking with us. Thank you for just rocking with us. I want to say thank you to Nike. Now getting back to my rhetoric here. Tiger Woods lost all his endorsements except Nike. He made a public apology, which he shouldn't have had to make a public apology. He should have had to make an apology to his wife and his family in private. He didn't owe the public nothing but his manager... And probably his whole PR team said, hey, yo, you probably want to go out there and apologize. Kobe Bryant, whenever his scandal came out and he cheated on his wife, he had a whole press conference out there. His wife was next to him and he apologized for disrespecting his wife. And 
he probably apologized to his fans and all this type of things. <laughs> it's just different whenever you're looking at it as a black youth that doesn't understand these things. And then whenever you start to understand these things, matter of fact, let me flip that. Whenever you start getting older, you start to understand how America views you as a black athlete. They view you as a dollar. Yes, you are the greatest thing since sliced bread whenever you are winning, winning, winning. You're winning championships. We're going to give you high uh, coverage on everything from E Entertainment Tonight to AGMA in the morning to CBS in the this morning to NBC in the morning to even at night with the nightly coverage to ESPN covering you to Fox Sports covering you. I mean, just every news outlet covering you to death whenever you are winning. And I mean, just throwing it in. Ah, winning, right? And then when you are losing, boy, oh boy, is he terrible. God, he should retire. God is, should he, he needs to quit. God, why is he, why, why are this team paying this person so much money? And then, boy, when you get a scandal brewing, oh my God. You are everything but the child of God. <laughs> In the analysts, the media coverage, everything just goes sour. You have to stay on their good side. You have to be their good little boy and girl. You have to do the little tap dancing for them. And I'm glad that's starting to change now. That's how it was back then. Now, you don't have to be a boy scout. Because you now have people on social media. And yes, this is a good part of social media. Now that I wish certain athletes in the past were able to have. You have people out there in social media land that will fight for you if something bad happens to you. You have these people that are able to make contacts with other people that can easily probably represent you or you have such a loyal fan base that you can leave a team, make a campaign or make up a website that sells merch that you can sell your own merchandise and boy will they buy that mess up and you have made your living off of just merchandise off the loyal fan base that you made off of sports. That's the great opportunity now that sports athletes have that sports athletes in the past didn't have. That's something that I'm glad that the athletes now are able to do. They're able to make that other uh, stream of revenue if they decide, you know what? I'm done playing 
sports. I'm done. I'm tired of the media covering me a certain way. I'm done. I have a, made up this big of a fan base. And these people that rock with me, they'll rock with me. I'll make the dopest apparel or I'll do, or I'll be the spokesperson for a campaign or this uh, company needs an endorsement guy, uh, just a figurehead, a spokesperson. I'll be their spokesperson. I'll get paid off of that. I mean, there's so much streams of revenue now for black athletes that the media and their fa- their fans, sorry for that, their fans have, no, not fans, have, that they have that their fans can support them through. Shoot, even now, there's, a, there's sports athletes, there's athletes that have podcasts that you guys have probably listened to that you're giving them support through. Think about it. Michael Jordan had a podcast during his time. Think about if Kobe Bryant had a podcast during his time, whenever him and Shaq were going through their whole ordeal, their dispute. Oh my God. The numbers would have went through the roof. I'm just saying, I'm glad that now black athletes can spin the media into whatever they want it to be. They can make a big press announcement on Twitter so easy by grabbing their phone, recording it, sending it to their PR team, post it, done. Or they can film it, post it, and that's it. They don't have to wait a whole long time to make up a I'm sorry, call the such and such uh, down to uh building, pay this pill, building out to just make an apology. No, they don't got to do all that. They can say what they did. They can say what they want to say and they can apologize or they can stand firm on what they did. And that's why I'm glad that black celebrity athletes have social media now. And I'm glad and I want to say thank you to every black athlete that has come before me that is continue that are continually doing athletics now and that will be doing athletics in the future. I want to say thank you because you are giving a whole lot of black children hope. I'm not saying for you to be their role model, but just continue to dominate on in whatever capacity of sport you're in because you're giving these children hopes you're giving a child who might not be in a good household that their only enjoyment that they have is watching a athletic competition hope to you know what I want to do that and if I do that, I can make it out of this situation that I'm in or that they might, this might be their only opportunity to spend time with their parent who loves the sport. 
you're giving a whole lot of dreams and aspirations to these kids. You're giving opportunities that might not have arisen for lower income family children. You're just being that big old just ray of sunshine in these kids and even in these adults' lives. After a day might suck and their only pleasurable thing in that day might be watching an athletic event, might be seeing you on television. I want to say thank you for that. I want to say thank you to all the guys that are actually role models for these kids that go to these places and do charitable work. I want to say thank you for that because you're you just going there and being that superhero, letting these kids have these conversation with you and actually getting their see their hero in person. And you might not want to be somebody's hero, but you take that as a serious thing and you hold that on your chest or you hold it on your shoulders and you hold that on your arms. You take that seriously. I want to say thank you for that because Muhammad Ali did that for children of the 60s and 70s. He did that for black for black children and black men and black women. He held his black community on his shoulders. He did that. <laughs> he was willing to go to jail and not participate in a war that was not for us because he knew how much black people have truly suffered. And he said, what's it to me to having to go to a place that's worse, that's bad for me? Matter of fact, let me pull it up because you know what? I'm butchering it. Let me just get it for you. Stand now with uh, the possibility of going to jail. Oh, I don't know. I'm just waiting any day now. Do you think about? <laughs> do you think about that though? Do you ever think what you'll do if you? Well, yes. You, you think about it at nights when you're in the bed. You think about you know if I went this way, what could have happened if I went this way, and I've figured it all out. Uh, yeah. No people gain freedom until some have to die, some lose their wealth, some give up money, and like. Uh, I would say the white race, when uh, your people first got here, they didn't have these cameras and televisions and jet airplanes and air conditions and Howard Johnson's and Holiday Inns and Americana and Hilton hotels. They had to fight the Indians, watch their daughters raped and scabbed. Uh, uh, took six months to go from here to Los Angeles. Now you can do it in three and a half hours. But nevertheless, they kept fighting and cutting down the trees. And they didn't see this, but they made a way for the present whites to rule. And the Japanese in World War II, they had these flights called suicide missions. They knew they would die, but they ran that plane, right? His life meant nothing when it came to the freedom of his daughter, his son, the future of his nation. And I would say like uh, the astronauts, three white astronauts almost got stranded in space and their wives were waiting and the Wait children were worried because they might, they, they could have uh, been out there now still in orbit. Yeah. But for the progress of uh, white American space, eight astronauts died on the ground, and uh, three almost not got back. 
but whenever people want to really make progress, some have to sacrifice a lot. And I like to say, um, um, uh, white America right now is spending $30 million a day in Asia. Black and white boys are dying unjustly for nothing just to free somebody else. So why should I worry about going to little old jail to free my poor people who's been catching hell here for 400 years? And that is from the Dick Cavett show whenever Muhammad Ali was talking about uh, the possibilities of going to jail. And you can search that up on YouTube, by the way. But yeah, I just want to say thank you to every athlete, every black athlete, because it's Black History Month. But um, just thank you to every athlete that has given their time on television, given us enjoyment, uh, even through slander. Whenever uh, people, whenever people are betting for you to win, and you probably don't win, you uh, not because you guys weren't trying, but because somebody made a bet and they were an idiot for it. But um, thank you, just in general. I want to say thank you to every uh, just black athlete that has done their thing. And to every athlete that's, um, every, any person that's going to do athletics in the future. And you happen to make it to the big time or before you make it to the big one time and you're in college and you got people uh, coming around you and you know you're having to deal with social media. Here's some key tips I want to give you. One, make sure you have a solid surrounding. Make sure you have a people, a group of people that look out for you. Make sure you have a solid foundation. Because without a solid foundation, the building falls. And that building is you. If you don't have people that are around you that can check you and tell you, hey, you're screwing up on this, those people don't need to be around you. If you have people around you that give into your vice, you tell them, hey, yo, you're giving into my vice. Don't do that. Or you check them or you cut them off. And when you make and make sure you have people around you that are not going to put you in predicaments that either A, you can't handle or B, you shouldn't be around. If you're not a drinker, make sure your people um, don't have you around alcohol because you might succumb to peer pressure and drink alcohol. I'm just saying, make sure you have a good stable foundation around you so you won't get yourself caught up in garbage. And stay true to yourself. If you're always true to yourself, Nobody can beat you except you. Yeah, sure, you might have an off day or off night at the office. But as long as you stay true to yourself, you'll do fine in any profession or any athletic field that you're in. And with that, I say thank you. That was my Black uh, History uh, Athletics <laughs> Yeah, that was that was my uh, tirade, or not even a tirade, but just my idea process, my whole just thoughts on being a black athlete in America. So yet again, 
Thank you to all black athletes in America. Thank you for dealing with so much garbage. You deserve a lot of uh, high praise. And now to my wrestling portion of the podcast. One, let me recap what happened at the Royal Rumble. Sasha Banks beat Carmella. That was my pick, so I'm one in six right now. I lost uh, this one. Nia Jackson, Shayna Baszler did beat Asuka and Charlotte for the women's tag title. So right now, I'm still at one in six. Drew McIntyre did beat Goldberg to retain the WWE Championship. So now I'm at two and six. Roman Reigns did beat Kevin Owens to retain the Universal Championship. So I'm at three and six. I'm at a half. And I'm at a 50% right now. Daniel Bryan did not win the Royal Rumble. That was my pick. But Edge won the Royal Rumble. So right now I'm still at three and six. And Rhea Ripley did not win the Royal Rumble. And Bianca Belair, the first black female wrestler, has won the Woman Royal Rumble match. And I was at three and six. And in my last episode, I said, if not Rhea Ripley, I wanted Bianca Belair to win the Royal Rumble. So some pseudo four and six, but officially three and six. So that was the recap of the Royal Rumble. This uh, what happened last Sunday and the recap of professional wrestling this week. On Monday Night Raw, you had Edge beating Randy Orton in the main event. Damian Priest beating The Miz with help from Bad Bunny. Yes, Bad Bunny, the Latino uh, superstar, Bad Bunny. Riddle beat Lashley by DQ because D uh, Lashley wouldn't let go of his full Nelson uh, submission while Riddle was in the ropes. So the referee counted a five. Lashley uh, lost, but he snapped and he kept on uh, having the whole full Nelson on Riddle. And that's how they ended that. Cedric, Alexander, and Shelton Benjamin beat Lucha House Party to retain the Raw Tag Team titles. Xavier Woods beat Mustafa Ali. Lana and Naomi beat Dana Brooks and Mandy Rose and Asuka and Charlotte in a triple threat number one contenders women tag team title shot. Carlito and Jeff Hardy beat Elias and Jason Riker. And Alexa Bliss beat Nikki Cross. On NXT, you had Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez beat Caden Carter and Casey Caden Nazaro for the finalist slot in the Women's Dusty Road Tag Team Classic. You had Austin Theory beat Leon Ruff. You had Legado Del Fantasma beat Lucha House Party to advance in the Men's Dusty Tag Team Classic. And they're now in the semifinals. They will be going against MSK next week for a finalist slot. You had Santos Escobar beat Kurt Stallion to retain the Cruiserweight title. And in the main event of NXT, you had Timothy Thatcher and Tommaso Ciampa beat Adam Cole and Roderick Strong to advance in the Dusty Road Tag Team Classic. So next week, it will be the Grizzled Young Veterans going against Tommaso Ciampa and Timothy Thatcher. And the winner of that match will go into the finalists 
the finals to face either MSK or Legado del Fantasma. On SmackDown, you have Big E beating Sami Zayn and Apollo Crews to retain the Intercontinental title. Cesaro beating Daniel Bryan. Bailey beat Ruby Riot. Dominic Mysterio beat King Corbin with help from his father, Rey Mysterio. You had Dolph Ziggler and Robert Roode beat Chad Gable and Otis. And on AEW, you had in the main event, the Good Brothers and Kenny Omega beat Pac, Phoenix, and John Moxley. Britt Baker beat Thunder Rosa. MJF and Chris Jericho won the tag team battle royal, so they will be going against the Young Bucks at AEW Revolution. Lance Archer beat Kenny, Eddie Kingston in a lumberjack match. And Hangman Page and Matt Hardy beat Chaos Project. Now, the major news that coming out of this week is a couple things. For WWE side, Edge winning the Royal Rumble and throughout Raw, NXT, and SmackDown, he made himself known on each show and he let every champion know that he's not making his decision yet. He's going to weigh out his options and he'll let the world know who he chooses to go against at WrestleMania in the main event. He hasn't made his option yet. Bianca Belair on SmackDown hasn't made her uh, choice yet neither well either she hasn't chose either Asuka or Sasha Banks Asuka who is the Raw Women's Champion and Sasha Banks who is the Smackdown Women's Champion she did not let her uh, voice she did not pick her person but it kind of sw- looked like she was swayed more into choosing the Smackdown title because she gave praise to Asuka and she gave praise to Sasha Banks, but she threw out the idea of her going against Sasha. So it might be Bianca Belair versus Sasha Banks at WrestleMania. That might that's a that's just a thought out there. And on NXT, uh, another thing that caught that is a high spot highlight of NXT was. Karrion Cross coming out after Santos Escobar beating Kurt Stallion. Santos Escobar, for about a good three weeks, has been mocking Karrion Cross. And during Escobar's match, uh, Karrion Cross's, shall we say, manager of the likeliest term, uh, Scarlett, was watching on the balcony and Santos Escobar looked at the balcony and he saw her. And majority of his time, he was spending beating up Kurt Stallion, but he looked at Scarlet. He didn't keep it. He didn't take his eyes off of her. He had Kurt Stallion beat with a maneuver, and then he hit him one more time with another finisher, just to really make his mark, saying, "I beat him." It's okay. It's, I'm that good. I'm the, I wasn't worried about you being out here. After the match, Karrion Cross came out there. He beat up uh, Santos's 
guys, Legato Del Fantasma, his other uh, two stable mates, and then Karrion Cross got in the ring and faced off with Escobar. He told him, simply, it seems that me and you have a growing issue. And he told him, now, I'm going to give you the gift of time. I'm going to give you time to think about the inevitable. And then he told him to run along. During that whole exchange, Santos Escobar was smiling all up and carrying across his face. But then when he told, but then when Cross told Escobar to run along, Escobar's face turned from cockiness to mad and just being like, how dare he dismiss me like I'm a piece of trash. That was a big takeaway for NXT. And in AEW, and as a matter of fact, I'm not just going to say AEW news. Total professional wrestling news, because this news that came out of AEW does affect all of professional wrestling in the big grand scheme of things. In the main event, Good Brothers versus Kenny Omega. I mean, Kenny Omega and the Good Brothers versus John Moxley, Pac, and Phoenix. After the Good Brothers and Kenny Omega won, Lance Archer came out there to beat up on the Good Brothers and take them out. And then left in the ring was John Moxley and Kenny Omega. John Moxley has been waiting to get his hands on Kenny Omega ever since winter is coming in December of 2020. He has been salivating at the idea of just getting his hands all over Kenny Omega. And before he even gets the opportunity to like really put a beating on Kenny, he's jumped from behind from a guy in a black hoodie wearing a mask. He jumps him and the guy starts to take off his hoodie and his mask. And underneath that is the professional wrestler named Kenta. Kenta is a guy that is signed with New Japan Professional Wrestling. And he hit John Moxley with the GTS to go to sleep. And the thing, the big major news about this is, you might be asking yourself, okay, what's the big deal? The big deal is, New Japan and AEW for about a good two solid years, because AEW was made in 2019. And let me, anyway, let me just get to the point. They have said that they will never do business with one another. I mean, Tony Khan is willing to work with everybody. That's his philosophy. That's literally in his thing. He is willing to work with anybody. If you check his track record right now with AEW in the short span of business, how long AEW has been open, AEW right now is currently working with Impact Wrestling. They're working with NWA, sorry for the long pause. Like I said, they work with Impact Wrestling, NWA. They're working with J Joshi. Joshi is uh, Japan Women's Professional Wrestling. They're working with, I don't want to butcher it. I want to say AAA. Yes, not CMLL. They're working with AAA. That is a professional wrestling company down there in Mexico. And they're 
willing to work with anybody, whoever, anybody, just anybody, because they want the whole wrestling landscape to be one big just play zone for wrestlers to jump from one company to another and just cross and intersect with one another. Something that hasn't happened in a long time, probably like the 60s and 70s. Because right around the 80s is when Vince McMahon was starting to buy up all the territories. And territories were known as former places that had... Okay, let me make this an example. South Carolina had a wrestling promotion. North Carolina had a wrestling promotion. Georgia had WCW or back in that time, Jim Crockett promotion. Florida had a wrestling promotion. Every About every state had a promotion that wrestlers can go to. Like, let's say now John Cena was able to go to South Carolina. He spent three months in a South Carolina promotion and then he was able to fly off to California and go and do that wrestling promotion for three months. That's what we call a territory. He was able to fly from one company, from one state to another company to refresh himself and refreshing that territory or business or that wrestling company over there. And in the 80s, Vince McMahon was buying up every promotion, every wrestling company, just buying them up, buying them up, buying up the TV advertising time over in that uh, wrestling organization's uh, pr- um part of America. He was able just to go there and buy that TV timeout, buy that wrestling company out, buy their uh, tapes, and tapes are video. He was able to get all that stuff in the 80s. And he finally got WCW and ECW's tapes and their copyright and everything pertaining to those two promotions. In 2001. So from 2001 to I'll say 2019, WWE has had in America, as a matter of fact, the whole entire world, he had the wrestling game on lock. Where the only time you can make big money in professional wrestling was if you go to the WWE or WWF at the time. That was named WWF. Now, AEW is putting a big wrench and a big fork into WWE's plan of complete global domination. They're trying to disrupt that. AEW wants wrestling promotions to thrive and just flourish. They want wrestlers to be able to, okay, you're not, you're, you're, you might be an under-contracted professional wrestler in AEW, but we can send you to Impact Wrestling, have you get some experience underneath your belt, or you might just get some fresh uh, matches over there to uh, revitalize your creative mind over there. Just... Be able to have professional wrestlers to move around. You don't get stay in one place and be stagnant. AEW is allowing that to actually happen. AEW is 
the wrestling's big hope of hopefully getting these big time uh, matches that you never would have thought could have happened from one guy in one organization coming to this organization and fighting it out or these two companies coming together and putting on a big time wrestling or pay-per-view style card that people will want to buy. That's what AEW working with all these companies have done. And now the big piece piece of the puzzle, New Japan has finally jumped in. But the thing with New Japan is New Japan has stars over there in Japan that since we're now living in this whole COVID era deal, here's the thing. If you get a professional wrestler from New Japan and you want them on your show, they have to fly themselves out to the States. They have to quarantine for 14 days. And then they have, they have to then perform at your wrestling show. So you have to fly them out days on in advance, have them quarantine for two weeks, and then they can show up to your show. That is a big, like, big gaping hole for this uh, deal with New Japan and AEW right now. Because right now, AEW is only able to get New Japan stars that live in America. And I'm just going to throw out a couple names that are living in America from New Japan. Kenta is living in America. Uh, Hikaleo. Hikaleo is the brother of Tama Tonga and Tongaloa. And let me just give this right here right now. Those three are the cousins of the Usos, Roman Reigns, The Rock, the whole big Samoan family. Okay. Kenta Hikaleo, Juice Robinson, formerly known as uh, CJ Parker in WWE. Probably got David Finley, who's Fit Finley's kid. You basically got like C, upper B level on New Japan style star list living in America. The AEW is getting. You're not getting the Okadas, the Tanahashi, the Jay White. And yes, I say Jay White because Jay White has uh, supposedly re-signed with New Japan or that, or he just straight just decided to come back to New Japan after being on break for just a month just so he can collect his thoughts and everything. He's back with New Japan. So, yeah, you won't be getting the Okadas, the Tanahashis, the Jay Whites, the Will Ospreys, the big A-level talent that we all want to see jump over to AEW and have this big thing. You're not going to get Bullet Club Japan or the original Bullet Club of Jay White, Tamatanga, Tangaloa, Chase Owens, Bad Luck Fale, El Fantasmo, Taichi Ichimori, Evil, Goto, Gato, um, Dick Togo, Yuji Takahashi, all the, the big Bullet Club group in Japan coming over to face off against the Young Bucks, Kenny Omega, the Good Brothers, 
uh, even if they have a problem with Cody, because I think they might even throw Cody in just to reinforce it, pull the clubness over here in New Japan in uh, AEW. You're not gonna get that coming in yet until they figure out a way to incorporate. Okay, New Japan, we're gonna fly these New Japan stars over to America, and we're gonna need the dates for when you need them. And we'll try to give you guys, give you uh, these guys for these many dates. And once you're done, fly them back because we're going to need them for these many dates. They haven't figured it out yet because COVID has completely disrupted this whole deal. And it probably fast forward this deal to actually happen because before COVID, I don't see this deal going through. But since COVID has happened and keynote. John Moxley is New Japan's IWGP United States champion. And he couldn't go over to Japan to fight and defend the championship. He had to stay over in America. So that made him miss Wrestle Kingdom when he was supposed to defend that IWGP United States championship against Kenta. You see what I'm doing? See what's happening now? It's making this all full circle. So New Japan have a branch out here in America, in California. They have New Japan Strong every Friday. And one night on New Japan Strong, Kenta and was beating up a guy. The lights went out. John Moxley showed up. He hit Kenta with the Paradigm Shift, which is a double underhook uh, DDT. And it set up a match. To inform everybody, oh my god, John Moxley's in New Japan, America, New Japan Strong, whatever. He's basically in New Japan. Because we didn't think, since the possibility of him going to Japan was done, because COVID, because he's a big star on AEW, AEW needs him. They're not just going to send their big star over to Japan to do a match. And then now you got to quarantine for about a month because it takes two weeks of quarantine over there in Japan, then you come back, you guys quarantine for two weeks, that equals to equivalently a month, so about a month and a half of time being wasted. AEW and New Japan is not doing that. So this quarantine deal has messed it up, but you look at it on the bright side. We're getting some kind of New Japan talent on AEW television, okay? That's the big news that's coming out of wrestling in general as a big old AEW New Japan are working together. So now the possibilities are endless. And right now, this is look this right now, this is making WWE look lonely. Because right now, WWE can make a simple phone call to AEW and say, We okay, we want to join in on this invasion and do something special for the wrestling fans because COVID is hap COVID has happened for about a year now. And WrestleMania is going to happen in Florida in a stadium and we can make something big. This right now is leaving in WWE's court. The ball is in their court. Do you want to do that or do you want to stay lonely out there not partnering up with a wrestling organization for the wrestling fans? That's what's going down right now with all professional wrestling news. But, yeah, that's all professional wrestling news. Jay White's back in New Japan. We are hopefully going to see 
uh, Jay White be a champion soon. But who knows? And I just want to leave before I say, well, before I give my usual coup de gras or farewell on this podcast, let me uh, end with this last thing. Acquiring Minds, and I know I said I wasn't doing Acquiring Minds for February, but this one just hit me in the face today. But Acquiring Minds, this is something that happened uh, on February the 4th, this Thursday. Is Wisconsin teachers put on administrator leave after showing students how they would punish slaves. And this comes from CNN. Teachers at a Wisconsin middle school have been placed on administrator leave after an un approved lesson about slavery upset families and this basically was kids were online doing an assignment and they got a question and here it is right here sixth graders at patrick marsh middle school in sun prairie wisconsin received an assignment about ancient mesopotamia that acts a question about how a slave should be treated. The school's principal said in a letter to his students on Monday, a slave stands before you. This slave has disrespected his master by telling you, by telling him you are not my master. How will you punish this slave? The assignment read, according to a parent who shared a photo on her Facebook page, the punishment, according to Homarabi's code, Put to death, the assignment read. The question was related to the Code of Humurabi, the Code of Law that set punishment and fines in the ancient reign, regime, no, region, sorry, region, by God, of Mesopotamia. Sun Perry area district, school district, apologized in a letter sent to all families in the district on February 1st. It was... It was stupid. How could you guys... And they even mention it right here. In our preliminary findings, we have determined the lesson was not a part of our district curriculum. And therefore, no students should participate in or complete the assignment. The letter read, the staff issued a direct apology to the students in the class and their families. Ladies and gentlemen, the what I'm asking you guys is this. Do you think slavery should be taught in school correctly and i know that's a dumb question to ask but it's a question that need to be asked because apparently it's not being taught right in school i'm i've known that for a long time i think we need to correct it and show all the nastiness of what happened to slaves back in that time we need to make it we mean we need to make it uncomfortable uh, situation talkable and have people understand what people in the past have done to certain people in the past. What white colonizers done to black civilians that were chained up and brought here as slaves. But yet again, you can go back to my last episode to hear all that, my diatribe on that. But what I'm basically saying is this. Slavery should be taught in schools correctly. They need to be taught about what happened to the slaves, what happened to them whenever they got, whenever they went missing, and 
how they got freed. They need to show all the dirty nastiness so people can understand what happened in slavery and why it should never happen again. That's what should happen. Slavery was an abomination to God. It was an abomination to humanity. It was an abomination just straight up, just good common decency. But I think we all know this. But if you guys want to check out the article, it's on CNN.com. And the title of the article, yet again, I'm going to say it again. The title of the article is, hold on for God. Wisconsin teachers put on administrative leave after asking students how they will punish slaves. That's the article. You can read it at CNN.com. And yet again, this is the end of the episode. I love you guys. This isn't goodbye. This is until you hear this voice again. This has been G2. Uh, Gerald Garrett, this has been my Two Cents Podcast presented by G2. And by the way, my social media, uh, my social, where you can reach me at social media. Bye, guys. Should lead in with that first. I have with the last episode, but God, I keep on forgetting. But anyway, diatribe. Where you can reach me on social media is on Twitter. You can reach me at my Two Cents Podcast. But if you type it in, put in my Two Cents Podcast. But if you want to do the at, is at my two podcast yet again i'll say it again on twitter is my two cents podcast but if you want to at me is at my two podcast and on instagram you can find me at my two cents podcast g2 again on instagram is my two cents podcast g2 and if you want to email me for any business inquiry for like pod for like uh, advertisements it's my email is my two cents pod at yahoo.com again it's my two cents pod pod at yahoo.com that's all my social media uh stuff where you can reach me at and yet again i love you guys that um there's a light at the end of this tunnel it's not uh goodbye is until you hear this sweet voice again and next week is valentine's day i will be there this episode not next week is valentine's day the next episode that you guys hear will be on valentine's day and i will be talking about black women the big uh they are the backbone of black civilization they are the backbone for black people in general they're the matter of fact if we're really gonna be honest, they're the black they're the backbone of America. But I'll get to you guys on that one uh, next week, and I'll be mixing in a little bit with Valentine stuff with that on there. But how fitting would it be for next episodes to be about black women and it's Valentine's Day? How sweet! But uh, yeah, uh, I love you guys. This isn't goodbye. This is until you hear the sweet voice again. Remember, there's a light at the end of this tunnel. We all got to keep pushing. We all got to keep going. I love you guys. And I'm out.